Yo, what's up guys? JB here. Today is the 21st of November and the time now is approaching 11 o'clock. And uh, for tonight's Saturday night contest, we were going to host a Saturday night roundtable discussion. Um, each time we do this, we try to involve a different artist and we take questions from you guys directly in the forums. And tonight's guest that's hopefully on the line with me still right now is Mike Hankins. So if we welcome him to our podcast here. Can you hear me okay? I am hearing you perfectly. Where's the applause track at? Oh, yay! That's the applause thanks, track. Thanks. We're, we're low tech. That sounded on this. really good. That sounded beautiful. What's what's sh- what's crack a lacking? What's as I, as you said in the uh, video? <laughs> what's crack a lacking? What's shake a lacking? Uh, not much, man. Just uh, just working on some new stuff and just just kind of chilling and just got done watching uh, Genesis all the way through finally and uh, that's pretty pretty freaking awesome DVD. I got to say that. Thank you. So for those of you uh, who live under a rock and have not checked the uh, the forums and media section in the past 24 hours, we released uh, Mike's first contribution onto Theory 11 around 24 hours ago right now, which is the Harbor Change, which uh, we're going to talk about later. I'm sure there'll be a lot of questions about the change, how you came up with it, etc., that we can talk about throughout this whole podcast. Um, but to start off, I wanted to get to as many of these questions from members as possible. So we're going to start off with the literally the first response to my post earlier tonight calling for questions, which is a post by Skylark. His post number is two, and he's asking, how long have you been performing magic? So I guess we can expand this question, if you will, um, a little bit more. And just, What's your general history? How long have you been performing magic? How did you start in magic, et cetera? Okay, great. Uh, Skylark, what is going on? That's an awesome name. Um, I have a Buick by that name. Anyway, um, I uh, I started performing magic probably around the age of eight. My dad bought me a hot rod um, and no instructions. And I don't know what I was actually performing. I was just showing people, hey, look, there's you know six colors on one side, and I watch them go differently. Terrible. Um, I pretty much gave it up and then didn't get back into magic again until I was about uh, you know, 16 years old, high school. Um, performing, you know, as much as I possibly could for all the students and teachers and, and staff and uh, getting quite a bit of attention because of it. Um, then it was, uh, you know, then I joined the Marine Corps at uh, age 20, uh, 22, and had to kind of stop doing magic there for a while because of all the training that I was involved with. But as soon as I went over to Iraq and I served, I, I took cards with me everywhere, and I was kind of like the morale booster for all the troops and stuff. So, um, I mean, I guess the, the final answer that's, you know, since I was 16, that's when I really, really took magic seriously. And how old are you now? I am, oh boy, I'm 32. Woo! So old. Yeah, well, I got wooden legs. I, I got wooden legs, it's all right. I'm surprised you even know how to use the telephone. Don't, don't, do you mean to send you a <laughs> telegraph? <laughs> I'm, I'm on a, I was, I was waiting for the Morse code to come in. I never got it, so. I'll send you a telegram. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll continue on here. There's an, a great question. This is uh, interesting as well. When, you mentioned um, when you were here that you did, you have at least before I've done stand up before, some type of improv before. This question might relate to that just as much as it will relate to your magic. Um, the question's from the username is the one spaz. Um, the post number is five, and he says, "What's what is the way that you first dealt with anxiety when performing early on?" I think this is a really cool question because. Um, I think it was uh, Chris Kenner who made the illusion in a previous podcast of ours that he really does admire 
um, stand-up comics and people that do comedy because there's magicians. You can do a trick and you might not get that great of a reaction, but you know you, you don't necessarily know that it was a bad trick or a bad performance. It could have just been the spectator. But if you're up on stage and you're doing comedy or improv, you know if a joke bombs. If everyone just blankly stares at you, you know it bombs or not, and they can react. So sometimes these people that do comedy and improv, like you, can turn into a, a better performer because you're used to the process of trying out new material. So what are your overall thoughts on anxiety and all that kind of stuff? Um, Percocet. No, I'm just joking. Um, uh, to be completely honest with you, um, you know, think, think about, think about it, you know, being a magician, you know, what, whatever style of magic you do, whether it be stage or, you know, close up, you know, walk around, whatever, when you approach a table, we'll use restaurant magic, for example, when you approach a table, generally speaking, you're not going to go up and just start doing magic. You know, you have to introduce yourself. You have to be uh, a person without the props in your hand. And, you know, if we stop for a second and we take away all those props that we have, what's left? It's us. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the person that we are. And I think a lot of times, uh, you know, magicians, especially up-and-coming magicians, try to take on a persona of someone who they're not. And that makes them a lot more uncomfortable when it comes time to presenting their magic because they're taking themselves out of their element. And uh, one of the most important pieces of advice that I've ever been given uh, was to, you know, just act yourself first, uh, which is why you'll never see me, you know, wearing a, a dovetail tuxedo, you know, pooping out doves and, and you know. And, and I actually have seen you do that before. That's, that's, uh, that's neither here nor there, and I appreciate you, you know, keep my personal life out of this. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, seriously, it's all about, you know, it's all about being yourself and, you know, being who you are and not being afraid to take risks. And, uh, you know, that's something I think a lot of magicians, you know, also don't do a lot of, and that's, that's take risks. And, you know, you're never going to know what your limits are unless you push yourself, you know, push yourself above and beyond. And, uh, you know, comedy, you know, stand-up and improv, you know, really taught me that. You know, just kind of, you know, be yourself, but also be willing to come out of your shell as well. So, there you go. Uh, there's, a, there's a question here by Inferno Kaiser, K-I-S-K-A-I-S-E-R. Um, post number is nine, and he says, who are your role models in magic that you look up to? I'd, I'd kind of expand that a little bit, and who are your role models in general um, that you look up to as, in addition to just in magic? Okay, gotcha. Um, well, uh, for those of you who have already uh, purchased the, the Harbor Change, uh, I've named quite a few of them. Uh, the Olsen Twins are a huge magical influence, um, and Ronald Reagan. Um, but no, uh, more importantly... Uh, my first real brush with a professional magician um, came from the, the likes of Denny Haney from Denny and Lee's uh, Magic Studio in Baltimore. Um, you know, he, he runs a top-notch shop, and, and he's you know he doesn't he doesn't mess around with the BS, and he kind of tells you how it is, and he doesn't care if he hurts your feelings or not. Um, and he kind of he really helped me stay away from um, the, the bad seeds in magic, and you know, kind of really kind of pushed me into you know who I am today. Um, Besides him, uh, Jeff McBride, I became friends with him um, a few years ago, and he's been my, my friend and mentor for the, for the past few years. And I've actually had the opportunity to uh, open up for his show when he performed in Atlantic City uh, back in 2007. He's taught me a lot uh, about magic and how to be a performer. And, and uh, you know, he has a very eccentric style, but then again, you know, that's that's who he is. And uh, you know, I would never, in any type of way, try to try to mimic that style. I mean, you're never going to see me walk out on stage in a kabuki, you know, throwing snowstorms at people's faces right up close. That'd be kind of cool, though. But, 
Uh, Eugene Berger, um, David Blaine, I think, is has had a huge impact on all of us magicians. I mean, he's he's what made state uh, you know street magic cool. You know what I'm saying? And it's without him, I don't think magic would be where it is today. To be honest with you, um, you know, obviously Daniel Garcia, he's he's in, he's probably one of the, the greatest on ground magicians who's alive today. Um, besides uh, Bruce Willis. But uh, that's that's it. That's probably that's, that's my huge influences right there. Um, a post by CB. It's post number sixteen. I think is uh, particularly interesting. If you had to do any other job besides magic, what would it be and why? Um, actually, that's pretty easy because when I was in the Marine Corps, I was a criminal investigator, and I've always had the uh, aspiration of uh, perspiration. Aspiration was the correct word. I don't know. Uh, a little bit of perspiration. Perhaps just, but it okay. was hot in the room yeah. and it was warm and yeah, I agree. Okay. I agree. Yeah, I, I've always had the perspiration of of uh, being an FBI agent and uh, funny enough, I got hurt in Iraq and and uh, that kind of prevented me from actually doing that. And you know, I kind of wonder where I'd be right now with magic if if I actually hadn't gotten hurt in Iraq and I actually continued to go on in the FBI because you know that sucks up pretty much all your life. And uh, now I couldn't see myself doing anything but you know, but but magic. So. Yep, that's an easy one. Uh, Chase Man Twenty Seven asks. Actually, he exclaims. He says. He declares, if you will. I'm drinking mineral water that has trickled through the mountains for centuries. In quotes. Tell me why then that it expires next year. <laughs> oh, because um, you have the flow gimmick inside of there. You have to make sure you take that out, or. Uh, you know, it's going to go bad really fast. Which is, uh, speaking of flow, uh, if you guys, uh, for those of you that have watched the uh, Harbor Change video, you'll have seen uh, Dan Haas Dizzle's uh, cameo right smack in the middle of that video, which is perhaps one of the funniest cameos of any uh, Theory 11 video thus far. It was filmed in one take and uh, unbelievably funny. Dan Haas and uh, Dan White were both on the shoot for the Harbor Change and uh, it came out really, really funny. We also got to add in there too, uh, JB, that uh, Dan White actually is the one who created that sweater. I mean, that's it's a great looking shirt. Um, I hope it gets marketed. It's uh, one of the lowest really lowest V neck sweaters uh, in the world. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> to do uh, this is, I guess, leading up to specifically talking about the Harbor Change. There's a question by Dream Kids. His post number is 19. How did you create the Harbor Change, and what situation made you come up with this visual move? So I guess, can you talk a little bit about the genesis of this move? And I think it's mentioned in the preview video for the Harbor Change, but how it's evolved and who you've bounced this concept off of over the past year. Right, right. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a variation of a, of, a, of a move that's already out there. You can find in uh, Starenko on cards, as I mentioned, you know, in the, in the one-on-one. Um, but more importantly, what happened, it actually kind of happened by accident. And I, and I have to be honest, I was kind of nervous with my first shoot with uh, Theory 11. And so I didn't really get to, to go into depth on this. So I'm glad this question was asked. But believe it or not, I was actually playing around with the Erdnase break. Um, and for you kiddies who out, out there who don't know what the Erdnase break is, it's essentially um, almost the same type of grip that I'm doing uh, with the Harbor Change, but just two fingers down. Um, and I... I forgot where I saw this or who who was doing this. So I think it was a, an older older magician named um, Billy McDonald, who was an actual personal student of uh, Ed Marlowe, and he was showing this this move at uh, Bob Little Super Sunday, where he would have the card in Erdnase break, and then he would do like a quick color change with it. But the only problem was is there was no way to replace the card, and uh, so I started playing around with the Erdnase break, and then I 
you know, I decided to move it up uh, a couple of fingers and and came up with the Harvard change. But then after coming up with the Harvard change, I realized there was a lot more to it than just, you know, a change. There, this is an actual utility move that's very useful, uh, you know, for close-up magicians out there. So... And then, uh, and, and also, and also uh, uh, Buffy the uh, Teenage Witch, or whatever, Sabrina, whatever her name was. Buffy I, I, the I Teenage like Witch. <laughs> I don't know what it was. You know, I like Hannah Montana. Whatever. Okay. She's, so does Dan White. So does Dan White. We have a whole Miley Cyrus story that's in a separate podcast, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. Nice. <laughs> uh, um, I'm reading along some more questions here. Um, to do. There's a, a few questions here. Um, there's a question specifically by Joker that I guess summarizes the whole thing. But what is your creative process? What goes into your, uh, I guess, procedure for trying to create a new piece of magic? Is that just like a random thing that it hits you like a light bulb? I guess some creators are like that and other creators will have an idea and they'll kind of incubate on it for a long time and they'll come up with the solution for it. What, what has your been, been your experience with just creating and creating routines, creating effects, et cetera? Well, uh, I would, uh, this is a great, great, great tool in helping me create uh, new effects. And I think it actually help everybody out there too, if they're kind of stuck with, you know, you know, trying to do something that, you know, make it their own. Take a piece of paper and on the and draw a, a line down the middle. And on the left hand side, write down uh, your hobbies. What do you like to do besides magic? What are you good at besides magic? Um, if you're not good at anything else but magic, then you know what sucks to be you. No, um, but write down write down everything you like. Your likes, your dislikes, favorite bands, anything. And on the right hand side, um, write down different magic effects that you currently do or magic effects that you would like to do. Turn the paper upside down. Close your eyes and draw a line from uh, one to the other. And when you open your eyes, you're going to have something pretty, pretty bizarre. Um, I had, I think one time I had Dancing Kane and, uh, uh, you know, Michael Jackson or something crazy like that. And, and that kind of fit because I could do a, you know, Dancing Kane routine and Michael Jackson. But it just goes to show that you can actually help your creative process by doing something like that. So I think mean, a lot of times magicians sit there and they're like, well, you know, I just watched this DVD you know, 10 times, and I'm only performing it just the way that, you know, Michael Amar did with, you know, all I have to do is cast a shadow, and on one card turns over magically, and that's your card, you know, and, and I think that we get stuck, you know, I think we're not reading as many books as we should be, and um, that, that in turn will actually help you with the creative process, because a lot of times you read the books, and you're learning the slights, you're really, you're really focusing on, on uh, learning the slights, and then your, your personality will shine, and you'll be able to come out there and, and do your own stuff and i don't know what i just said i just rambled on forever i agree i agree with everything you said <laughs> thanks no not not with the fact that you rambled i agree with everything you just said oh, okay <laughs> and you gotcha. rambled no um <laughs> there is a um few questions here um that talking about the applications of the harbor change and within the harbor change one-on-one it's in people didn't notice that it's an 18 minute one-on-one if for, as a kind of a comparison the vcr change paula robbins one-on-one was nine minutes so this is double the length of that so what is what's in those extra eight minutes uh you basically talking about additional applications for this move which can be used for much more than just a color change but um the questions that i'm seeing a lot of within uh, the roundtable discussion tonight is about how do you use this change um a guy named Davey G, who's in California, his post number is 32, says, do you think the color changes should be an effect onto themselves or should they be a utility and larger routines? 
That's a great question, actually. Um, you know, one of the effects that I that I use the harbor change for is in a routine um, where I have a spectator um, take out a, a playing card and we we note the, the the date and I write the date on the corner of the card and have the spectator sign their name on the card. Um, the card's lost back in the pack, and then uh, you know, obviously, we'll make it magically come to the top. And then I ask the spectator, do you actually remember signing this card? And, and they'll, you know, of course I do. Well, then I say, well, explain this, mofo. And then I, you know, I do the harbor change. The signature actually vanishes off of the card, but the date's still there. That's a great application. And, you can uh, see that actually in the, I think that made it into the preview video, right? It did. It did. Yes. It did. But what I like to do there, and this is kind of neat, um, because, you know, a lot of, and I'll get into this in a second, but what I'll do is, is I'll go ahead and, and show them that blank card, let them examine it. But what I do then is I'll actually sign the card to them because nobody really wants to take a signed card with their name on it. You know what I mean? Like, what's that to them? It's just a card with their name. But if you personalize it and make it, you know, you know your name and, and give it to them as like a gift, uh, then, it, then it has more uh, sentimental value. But that's just one of the many. I mean, there's so many applications you can use with it. Um, you can do a card-to-pocket routine. Uh, I do a slow-motion card-to-pocket where I actually have the spectators burn my hand the whole time it's going to the pocket while I have a spectator hold on to the outside of my pocket. And at the last second, they let go, and I can reach in and pull the uh, the card out. So I'm actually loading the card in as I'm actually going to my pocket. It's pretty sweet. Um, we'll uh, try to make room for a few more questions here before we wrap this up tonight. Okay. Um, I usually try to avoid questions specifically about uh, uh, there's a lot of questions in here about Theory 11, how you got how you hooked into us, and and, and vice versa. Um, I think it's actually an interesting story in this case. Uh, there's a question by CB, and post number 16 again. He says, what do you think is better or different? I would, he says better, but I would just say different, so not like a loaded question, about, about Theory 11 uh, compared to other magic sites and magic dealers. Oh, that's, that's, that's so easy. Um, look at, uh, and we won't, we won't use any other bad names, um, you know, other competition or lack of competition, but look at those sites and look how much stuff they have to sell and look at what Theory 11 sells. And right away, you're going to notice that there's not as much stuff as the other sites have, but I guarantee you that every piece of material that's on Theory 11 is, is nothing but superb quality. Um, I have never been disappointed with Theory 11, ever. Um, and then again, I've actually never ordered from, you know, the other companies either because I've heard such horror stories. Um, but, you know, Theory 11, I think, really sets themselves apart because they only want the top name, the top names. They only want top quality uh, products. They don't want to, you know, have guys out there performing uh, tricks where you lick the back of your hand and the card bends. Wow, that's fantastic, you know. Um you know, this is this is real deal stuff. This is underground magic at its best, and cardistry especially. I think it's interesting uh, note that is. Yeah, I think it's interesting note as well. You know, we we try for the whole quality over quantity, um, but at the same time, you know, for we we at least the effort is that we have one on ones frequently, which our goal is every Friday. But we don't always hit that. We we get distracted with other big projects, and we're, we've got a small team, so it's not like we have unlimited resources and you know three hundred editors and a thousand magicians and stuff. So it's it's a difficult thing for us to balance quality and keeping up quantity and keeping things out but uh harbor change was our first one-on-one in at least uh two to three weeks and i think we hit hard with it and i think you guys see that we're not just looking to to fill up the site with content we're actually carefully selecting this stuff um you want to tell them a little bit about how we found uh how we found you how you found us 
Yeah, uh, it's actually interesting. I mean, I, I can go all the way back to um, back in 2007. Uh, I was at Bob Little Super Sunday, and that's the very first time I actually met Dan White, Danny Garcia, uh, Eric Jones, and, and Dan Haas. And I, at the time, I had this double lift that I was showing everybody that was frying everybody with, and then later found out about a year later that it was somebody else's double lift. And you know, that's how the magic game goes. But, um, you know, within that, I actually became uh, pretty good friends with Dan Haas, and we stayed in contact over you know, the next couple of years. And then it wasn't until, you know, here lately that I got into, uh, you know, talking with him more seriously and, you know, started going to his house and hanging out and stuff. And, you know, he was working on, you know, me with some stuff, and Eric Jones was working on me with some stuff. And, um, you know, and so I actually from the video of of the harbor change at an early stage, and I sent it over to, uh, to was, JB because it was called the plop change at the moment at the time. Yeah, or or it could be called the poop change or number two change <laughs> or diarrhea change, whatever. You know, don't judge me. It's just potato, science. potato. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, and at first, it, it, you know, the reaction I got was that's great. What's your cleanup like? Because at the time I didn't have a cleanup, and that was that was I sent it to Dave Buck, and um, and he's like, "That's great, what's your cleanup?" And I didn't have an answer. I didn't have an answer for that, and so I spent the next like eight months just like working on a cleanup for it, and then I sent the video out again, and and um, you know it was per the request of Dan Hawes and Eric Jones because they both had seen it live and saw me fry magicians with it left and right, and thought that this was something that really could be marketed out there. Uh, to the magic community, and so I, I sent it directly to JB, and, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah, so uh, for any- actually a couple of videos. So, so for anyone out there that doesn't think that we uh, we check that submissions queue, we do. We actually read every, we watch every video, we see everything that comes into that queue, and we anything that we that we think has potential, even you know with some modification, we try to to to, to push along. Because even if it doesn't end up on Theory Eleven, it's good to keep creative juices flowing if especially something that we think has potential um kind of to wrap this up i think it's a good ending question here uh again from chase man 27 uh post number 17 he says we see your first one-on-one is with cards is there any other types of magic that you can also do i guess you, uh, and he, he finishes with uh will we see more of you in the future any other projects on the horizon that you can tease us with okay um, I would say look out for, uh, I think, I think we decided somersault. Would that be okay to say? Or? Yes. We won't tell him what it is, but it's, uh, okay. no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's another, it's another cool, uh, effect. Let's put it that way. And that's going to be uh, filmed really soon. Uh, in terms of other magic, I mean, I like to do as much impromptu magic as possible. Um, I definitely can say I'm not as creative as, as people like Dan Haas, who has, you know, red line which is i use that in my regular act all the time no kidding um you know and i like i like being able to pick up everyday objects and manipulate them so uh will we see more stuff for me in the future that's not just cards uh, absolutely um but for right now i'm just gonna you know keep living the dream and, and uh keep putting out uh, good stuff that you guys want to see and, and hopefully you guys keep uh you know supporting me and on this mission I have. Uh, thank you guys very much. It was, it was awesome. It was, yeah, it was, it's been a really cool process when we're filming the Harbor change and we, at the same set of that, I, I was on the set and uh, Dan Haas was on the set, as you can tell from his V-neck appearance um, and Dan White <laughs> and yourself. And it's kind of neat to see uh, Dan Haas is working on a few different things that we're, we shot and we're going to be shooting soon. And um, 
you were playing around with a few different concepts and it was really neat to have a bunch of people like that in one room tinkering with things and none of them you know none of these p- things were being claimed as finished concepts but it was like Dan Haas would show you something you would show him something so you had some collaboration going which is good and I think that's very healthy um, to, to kind of continually polish and evolve routines and stuff like that absolutely because it's not see also magicians have to remember too you guys have to remember too is, is that it's not all about creating something completely brand new um there's nothing wrong with taking an old concept and making it new again i mean look at uh you know what i do is a, is a is a is a variation of of a classic that's been out there for a while that you know magicians like lenard green and, and dan garrett have been doing um but it doesn't mean that there's still not new applications for it or new ways to do it uh to make it better or improve i mean you know don't look at trying to come up with something new all the time, take a look at things that have been done for years and just ask yourself, you know, is there any other ways that can be done? And you'll be surprised. You'll be really be surprised at you know, the results you come up with. I think if there's anything um, left here that would be a good closing question, any overall thoughts, um, overall perspectives, as he's asking, um, this is by Magic Slave in Malaysia. Apparently he's a slave to magic. He loves magic. Overall perspectives on the new generation of magic. Are you inspired? Are you discouraged? Are you intrigued? Are you motivated when you see the new kind of lifeblood of magic when you go to conferences and conventions? Um, are, you, are you more inspired today than you have been ever? Or is, uh, is that your overall impression? Well, no, you know, it, it's, that's, a, that's actually a great question, too. I mean, look at, look at the way technology has helped uh, magic. I mean, look at, you know, and it's also reaching out to a lot of new, now a lot of new people, you know, um, like the rising card app for the iPhone. I mean, like, you know, if we didn't have the iPhone, you wouldn't obviously have that rising card app. There's a lot of cool things that technology allows us to do that uh, we couldn't have, you know, couldn't have done, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, like, you know, the tarantula, that's a great, that's a great real device. And to me, that's, you know, you can't, that's just a fantastic, uh, piece of magic. Um, I like going to conventions and seeing stuff done with technology. Uh, like Jeff McBride, he, he, he took his mask act that he's been doing for 35 years, and he added LEDs to his mask. And now he, he's, he's, he's modernized a classic that he's been doing all of his life to make it new and fresh again, just like I was talking before. Um, you know, and he's taken the concept of, of delights and, and using it in his act with uh, this fan uh, act that he does with LEDs and stuff. And it, it's pretty awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing what new types of technologies out there that's going to be able to, you know, help us or hinder us in the future. I mean, it's just, that's what's so cool about the future. You never know what, what lies. Again, I rambled on, and uh, that's because I'm actually uh, half naked as I'm talking to you right now. So <laughs> You mentioned the Rising Card app. I think I was showing you guys this at dinner when we were here last week. I just, I'm plugging this and for no, uh, no financial gain of our own. I just think it's really cool. There's an app that's out there called iForce, and it's by Greg Rostami um, that came out about a week or so ago. It's done very well. It's very popular in the App Store right now, and it's a great, great magic trick. Um, not to rain on uh, Greg Rostami's parade because he was the first to put this out and the first to publish Matters, but uh, this was a concept we were working on. Uh, this was a concept of Chris Kenner's that we actually have a working prototype on, but Greg Rostami definitely knocked it out of the ballpark, expanded way above what we had uh, established of our prototypes of what this app was going to be like, and I really do freaking love it. It's an awesome, awesome app. So for anyone that likes 
rising card for anyone that loves iPhone tricks. This is one of the best I've seen what really well executed and, uh, a lot of potential with it. Cause you can basically customize the trick to do whatever you want. It's called uh, iForce. So check that out too. Speaking of technology. Yeah, that's things. pretty awesome. I saw that. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. I also have to say that Dan White took my iPhone and had me, he did some crazy prediction where he had me think of any four digit number, then multiply it by another four digit number, then told you multiply number. it again. And he told me the, Oh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yep. I saw him do that to uh, to Haas as well. Very, very cool effects. I think, yeah, there's a lot of potential with magic technology. And obviously, with any new areas, there's going to be risks and downfalls and, and whatnot as well. I'm sure when the DVD came out, there was issues with, with or when the VHS was going to change, the, people worried about piracy and, and stuff then as well. But it's not... Uh, it's it's not the with every weakness I think the technology might bring to magic it brings along ten strengths so it's I don't right. I don't see that as anything. Well, I mean I think the the greatest uh, the greatest help that technology has had on magic is the introduction of DVDs. I mean how awesome is that to be able just to go right to what you want to learn instead of having to fast forward or rewind, you know, for forty five minutes to try to find that that one little glide move that you were trying to learn. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's, that's, that's imagine you know I think a lot of the vision for our you know, focus on downloads and one-on-ones in particular is to create a library of content so that if you're looking for, you know, let's say you're brand new to magic and you just want to learn a quick card trick to do later that night, you can quickly go watch a bunch of preview videos for individual effects, find what you want, download it. You have it on your computer instantly and you can start learning it and performing it right then and there. I think that's invaluable um, for not only for tricks, but slights and not only for beginners, but advanced and, and everything. Even, I, I, I would love to do a whole series on different performers' thoughts on the past, for example, because, yes, we could have uh, a video of, of Chris Kenner talking about his thoughts in the past, but there's a thousand other creators as well that are amazing at it that might have their own eccentricities and, and whatnot on it. Of One particular move, it could be um, something as benign as a double lift, but hearing... Chris's take on it, hearing Homer Lewak's take on it, hearing Jason England's take on it, et cetera, et cetera, I think is invaluable and would be really cool in a download format just because you can go through and hear a lot of people in a very short amount of time without buying DVDs, collecting stuff. Although I would like to mention that Mike Hankins has one of the craziest DVD collections of all time. Um, <laughs> and I have seen proof of it on your iPhone picture, like a whole wall of DVDs at his house. I don't know if, how many of those are magic DVDs. Um, well, that's the thing. I had I had close to 175, 200 DVDs on Magic, and about maybe 90 to 100 books in Magic, and I and I lost about 90 percent of all that stuff when I was in Iraq. I I was there for so long. I had uh, my mommy, uh, you know, send me out some so I can you know not be without Magic, and our base got attacked and destroyed almost everything that I had. So I'm actually starting back from the ground up again, guys. So. You know, it's uh, it's it's an experience. You know, but uh, it was you, you saw about two thousand two hundred movies. None of those were magic. That was all just just movies and you know, like Friends and Alf um, and Mork and Mindy and such like that. You know, classics. So, yes, absolute classics. classics. Well, good. So, all right. Well, we'll wrap this up tonight. Uh, we need to post this very soon on this Saturday night. So I want to thank uh, Mike not only for answering questions tonight, but for his first contribution onto Theory Eleven, which is the Harbor Change. Yay! Yay! Harbor Yay. Change. And uh, you guys. Can I think it looks great, Bobby. <laughs> and he's also a master of impressions, by the way. So you can uh, take yeah. that. 
Um, you can listen to that in the preview video as well. But if you haven't checked out the Harbor Change, check it out in the media section. Check it out in the one-on-one section, theory11.com forward slash one-on-one. And you can see the preview, learn more about it. It's an 18-minute video. I think it's a awesome move that has a lot of applications, so be sure to check it out. But, um, and if anything, you get to see Dan Haas in uh, his uh, V-neck sweater. You do. You get to see Dan Haas's uh, favorite V-neck sweater uh, that he wears the most. He actually wears it every day. Right. And uh, he's wearing it right now, actually. He actually technically is. So um, yep. I will look yeah. forward to getting a lot more stuff from Mike onto the site. And thanks again for participating in this roundtable discussion tonight. Thank you very much. Peace out.